Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink. Meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is April 23rd, 2014. We have a great show for you today. I'm very honored to have as our guest Dr. Henry Nyken. He is the author of a book called God's DNA Decoded. He's a neuro-linguistic practitioner and a hypnosis trainer. He holds a degree in metaphysics, And his greatest assets are his brilliant ability to understand people, his intuitive skills in creating change with ease, and his passionate and exciting training style. So today our topic will be about the benefits of neuro-linguistic programming, and we're also going to explore his book, God's DNA Decoded. Now I'd like to bring onto our show... Dr. Henry Nyken. Hello, Dr. Nyken. It's so great to have you on today. Thank you very much, Denise. Hi. So I like to start my show out with asking my guests how they got on the path that they're on today. Could you enlighten our listeners? Sure, Denise, sure. Well, uh, for me, it started at the age of 15, to, to begin with, I was what would be termed as a weakling or a laggard in my early years. But at the age of 15, I was uh, in a martial arts class at one point, and there was this instructor at that time that was trying to teach us the use of belly breathing, which is in today's term known as diaphragmatic breath. And so um, there was another student there, and I was asking the instructor to explain to us the importance and to really show us how to do that. But the instructor said, Henry, you know, just keep practicing one day, you'll know the benefits. Henry? I'm sorry, listeners, we, we lost the connection to our guest, so we will... Um have him back on momentarily. I'm sure that he will call back in. He is in Australia. So the telephone line isn't always as as good as we would like. I'm really interested to hear what he has to say about um, linguistics. And particularly his book is very, very interesting about... um, you know, he's got many different chapters in here, but you know, he, he talks about fear and curiosity and risk-taking, passion, dedication, things that, that are, I hold dear to my heart and things that I also have talked about in my book, Got Cancer, Now What? All right, I think we're getting Henry back. Sorry, Dennis, sorry. Something went wrong. I okay. Don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. So, yes, I was explaining uh, it started at a very early age, at the age of 15. And uh, finally, it was all about the belly breathing. And then this young student who was in in the same uh, martial arts class as I, he said to me that there is a book that actually explains this breathing and the use in depth. 
So he mm-hmm. brought the book, and he lent it to me. It was, it was called Doctor from Laza, supposedly written by a Tibetan monk um, by the name of Dr. Chusde Lobson Rampa. And so oh. from, that, yeah, from that day, Denise, I was hooked totally, and yeah, that's how my metaphysical journey or path really started. So did you go on to college right after that? No, no, wow, no. I mean, um, wow. From the age of 15, <clears throat> it was just mainly books and books. I, I started ordering. I, in fact, I ordered the whole package of Tuesday Lops and Rampa's books from the publisher itself, which was Kogi at that time, Kogi publisher, and I started reading. And then just my grandfather was into metaphysical um, 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 subjects as well at that time, so we started exchanging books. And my love for, for the metaphysical knowledge just grew and then it was later long long time after that around the age of in my 30s when i actually started to involve into scientific research about metaphysics my first contact with the the scientific um research on metaphysics was the silver mine method in 1990. what was it called silver mine method the oze silva course the oh, I haven't heard of method. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. But I see that your degree is in... Um, Metaphysics. Right, right. Yes, yes. That, okay. that came about in 1991. Um, again, while searching, I came across the University of Metaphysics in the U.S., and I enrolled and did a four-year course with them. It's it's interesting. I became very interested in metaphysics in my early 30s, and um, very similar to you, I ordered tons of books and just I yeah. I read st- for two years straight. Wow. So um, I get it. <laughs> I completely get it. <laughs> so let's yeah. talk a little bit about your book, God's DNA Decoded. What is it about yeah. exactly? Okay, then is God's and <clears throat> Decoded is a book about living your passion. What happened is, <clears throat> sorry, what happened is after nearly four years of giving seminars in the Seychelles on metaphysical topics and um, other metaphysical principles, at one point a student of mine came and he had he had been uh, receiving quite uh, some good success with the seminars he had attended at my uh, at, at my presentations, but then he reached a point where he said to me, "You know, Henry, there's still something missing. I don't know why. I've used the techniques, and I'm telling you, he had he had uh, gone from being a storekeeper to being the general manager of, of a of a five star hotel, but he still wasn't happy. So then I said, "Okay, leave it with me, and I will look into it and then get back to you." So I remember that night I was doing my meditation, and I just put this uh, thought out in my meditation to my inner mind and said, so what is the real problem of this guy? I mean, why after all this success he still finds himself not happy? And then suddenly, like, it always comes, you know, as they say, I mean, um, silence is golden and you need to listen to the inner voice. And I remember sitting and then a thought came into my mind and it said that this guy needs to leave his passion. He's not doing things that he loves to do. He's only fulfilling other people's dreams. And then... Obviously, more information came about writing a book telling people that they need to leave what their inner passion and stop doing things because they think this will make them rich, this will make them um, get a better self-image in, the, in society. You know how it is. I mean, I remember very well in my younger days, in the time of Bruce Lee, for example, as soon as the Bruce Lee films came out, everybody wanted to do martial arts. Or if something came out about Pele on, on, the, on, the, on the news, everybody wants to, mm-hmm. to play soccer. So then I straight away understood the idea that people need to leave their passion. In fact, the world is crying for people to leave their passion. We found, Dennis, that when you look around us, economically-wise as well, countries are failing because the government is not fulfilling the needs of the people. So the people, instead of relying on the government, they need to rely on their inner strength. And this is where God's yeah. DNA comes about. Yeah. So how, how is um, it different from other positive thinking? 
or you okay. know, there's so many new age books out there. Yes, I will. I will tell you. I will tell you, Dennis. You know, again, when you look at most of the other positive thinking books, they will tell you to think positive. In other words, a lot of times, the ideas of thinking positive will come from an external source. If you see something, you want visualize that something, and then it will happen. Or, or again, if you hear something on the news and then somebody is making a success of a certain, either in sports or industry or whatever uh, ways of life, then model them and be success as well, become a success as well. Now, in God's DNA Decoded, what I explain is we have within us a lot of God's DNA strands, meaning inner desires that are already there, that we have love for. We see this even, even in today, a lot of parents will force or will try and program their children to become a priest, to become a nun, to become an engineer, to become a doctor, based on what they think the economical mm-hmm. value of that, of that um, profession lies. But they don't realize that if the guy becomes a painter, if the guy becomes something else that he really has a love for, a farmer, for example, he will become rich, he will become more successful and more happy by doing things he loves to do. You know, mm-hmm. and this is what I explained. We have within us, in my own situation that I explained in the book, I as well, when I was young, I was considered a weakling, total weakling. I would cry for nothing, Denise. But when Aww. the funny thing, I, even, I didn't even understand that at that time. But when it came to the point where there was school plays, for example, at the end of, of, mm-hmm. of the school year, I was the first one to be chosen in my class to go and act in front of, of the sta- on the stage. And everybody would find that strange. This guy, you know, describing <laughs> such a CC as they would say, but I was too young. Oh. And, I would, and I would do that incredibly well, you know. And yeah. when I look back and understand all these things that was happening, then I started to realize that, okay, it is true. We do have certain inner strength, certain inner desires that are very powerful within us. If we can identify them and get them to work for us, Externally, we will fulfill many dreams. Hmm. You know, um, you talk about how there's eight sources of power. Yes. Do you want to go through those with the listeners, or just cover a couple of them? Yeah. Uh, let, let me let me cover a couple of them, like you said. You know, okay. <clears throat> there is desire. Like I said, the, we we've heard it throughout the antiquity. Desire is the number one source of power in life. It is true. Even if you have your own inner desires within you, fine, no problem. But it has to be a burning desire. In other words, as some wise men would say, a flaming desire. Now, if you have a love for something, but then through your limitations or limited programming, because, again, either the parents or, the, or your friends or the society says, what is this? You, you know, becoming... I mean, just yesterday I was watching... A program on the TV, there was a young guy, his, his parents were mm-hmm. in, from Australia, mm-hmm. but he, originally he was from Korea. And he had A's, 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 straight A's in class. Then this guy, finally, the parents wanted him to become a dentist. But in the end, <laughs> he managed in his own way to manipulate them and sell everything in Australia. And now then Korea, he's trying to undergo a singing career. He hasn't made it. <laughs> he wants to leave his passion. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when the journalist asked the parents, are you happy? They said, no, <laughs> because the guy hasn't brought in money yet. You know? mm-hmm. But they're helping him. At least bless the parents, they're helping him. And with that kind of desire, he will make it. You know, I'm, not saying, I'm not telling every parent who are listening, this is what they have to do. No, I mean, it doesn't right. work that way. Yes, I understand. But at the same time, at least leave, let the guy, if, if, the, if the son or the daughter says, look, this is what mm-hmm. I want to do, you don't have the means to do it, you say, you know what, daughter or son, I don't mind, go out there, find your means to do it, and do it, and we will all be happy. And it will happen. Yeah, I, know a class, I know a classic example of that. Um, I met a professional psychic, and he travels yes. the world. Yes. And he was, he, educationally, he's an attorney. He was one out of five Um, children, and when he told his parents, I don't want to be an attorney, my passion is is to be a psychic, his father was very, very skeptic. But he had that burning desire, and he turned out to be very, very good and very successful. Wow. Yeah, so, so definitely desire is one. 
then we have to have the, the, the motivation. Once you have that inner desire, it's not enough. You have to be able to motivate yourself. And for me, you know, uh, again, a lot of book talks about, talks, sorry, about goal setting. I won't say goal mm-hmm. setting, I will say goal planning. Because we know goal setting, you are, you are programming yourself for disappointment. Because if it doesn't happen on that certain date and a certain time that you decided that it will happen, and then, of course, mm-hmm. disappointment sinks in, and then you feel yourself as a failure, and it can get worse. It can be depression will, will, will be another uh, issue uh, or, uh, about that. So what I tell my um, students or people that come to the seminar, I say, look, what you need to do is planning. You need to active planning. What you need to do is definitely once you know the love that you have, look research, look for resources, Look for people who are already doing what you, you personally love mm-hmm. to do and model mm-hmm. them and ask them, and they, they will. People out there who are successful in your area, who, are, who truly knows the value of what they do, they, need, they will never refuse, refuse your knowledge. Sometimes you will have to pay for it. <laughs> we understand. No <laughs> problem right. with that. Yeah. But then uh, other times a lot of people will just give you knowledge for free. You know, I've mm-hmm. had many mentors in my life. Like I said, I've paid immensely sometimes for, for certain mm-hmm. courses. But most of the time now with the Internet, you can search for resources. Now, sometimes some, someone will say, what happens if my desire, if my passion hasn't been done before? Good. As again, the wise would say, we already know what can be done. We haven't known what can't be done yet. So we might as well mm-hmm. go out there and do it. Everything that has been mm-hmm. done today hasn't, was at one time never done. You know, at one time there weren't any houses on, on this planet. There wasn't money. There wasn't a lot of things that we see going around. And today they are in abundance. So the same thing can happen oh. with someone's passion as well. Of all the mentors that you have had, is there mm-hmm. one that stands out more than somebody else? Yeah, I will tell you. There was a guy in Seychelles called Guy Morel. He was at one time the governor of the central bank. And he is an incredible, incredible, incredible wise man. I mean, from a small island like Seychelles, he was just incredible in terms of his knowledge and his wisdom and his charisma. And again, like I said, his desire to help. After he, was, uh, he retired from the, uh, from the central bank, he actually opened a school just to teach the unfortunate, just to teach pe- students that people said, these are, are nobody, they will never be able to do anything in their life. And he took them and actually helped, helped them to obtain a degree in, in either the English language or in, in any other subjects that they were interested. So, yeah, I what would say in Seychelles, Seychelles. That's originally where I'm from. It's a group of islands in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, it's a group of islands in the Indian Ocean near Mauritius, Madagascar. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then, uh, and then, of course, I've had uh, I've had some brilliant guys. I mean, like I was telling you, Rampa. Even though a lot of people say he's a third grade fiction writer. But, I mean, if a mm-hmm. third fiction writer can help in, in motivate me and inspire me to this level, I would rather have a lot of third grade fiction writers walking this planet than so-called um, genuine writers that probably are not doing any, any better for, for the human beings of this planet. But Rob, I've your... never met, but I've been, I've been inspired by his writings. I think you were also inspired by Bob Moorhead. You talk about him in your book. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. paradox of our that's, time in history. I love yes. that. Yes, 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 um, yes. That's true. Listeners, um, an ex- just a real quick example. Um, Bob Moorhead, he made a statement about the paradox of our time in history, and he, he says, true. quote, we have taller buildings and shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. Mm-hmm. We spend more, but have less. We have bigger houses, but smaller families. And then he goes on and on and on. Yes, incredible statement. Yeah, that was out of the world. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, uh, other guys that I've met, Dr. Richard Bender, the innovator of NLP, that's another genius to me, to my mind. He's another genius of our time. I mean, I've I've sat on several occasions um, listening to him. 
his presentations. That's when I, I entered into the NLP. I've done design human engineering with him, hypnotic repatterning, and yeah, an incredible guy. What do you spend the bulk of your time on? Sorry, Dennis? What do you spend the bulk of your time doing professionally? Because you know, I mean, you're very gifted in a lot of different areas, and I'm just curious where you spend most of your time. Okay. Since I've arrived here in Australia, I do most of my work on the Internet. Before in Seychelles, um, I used to do a lot of counseling, and then I did presentations like seminars on different metaphysical topics, martial arts, and um, so, yeah, and then same, same thing. I would go, for example, to Mauritius and present seminars. I've done seminars in India at universities. I've been in the UK. And since I've arrived here in Australia, six months, I haven't been able because I need to get a hold of the regulations that um, Australia has as regards to business and doing these sort of things. So for the moment, I'm, I'm busy more on the Internet with my clients. Yeah, that, that's how I spend my time, really. Yeah, how fun, because you're doing what you love. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, that's true. Again, um, living one's passion. <laughs> you know, as I said, sometimes a lot of people run after their pensions instead of living their passion. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Let's talk about risk-taking. That kind of falls in that arena, doesn't it, when you're running yes, after your does. passion? Yes, 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 it does. That's, that's something incredible. Like I said, when I talked about this father who went to Korea with his son, that's a big risk. That's risk-taking. That's real risk-taking. You know, Dennis, mm-hmm. when somebody hires a lawyer to defend him or he invests, according to him, he invests in something that he knows the end result is going to be positive, that he knows he's going to get this case in court, that's not risk-taking. Risk-taking is when you invest, when you do something and you don't know the outcome. But in your mm-hmm. mind, obviously, you want the outcome to be positive. So, yeah. And this is where people must understand, life in itself, in general, is risk-taking. Every day, I mean, you go to sleep at night, you say, God, bless my day, bless my night, but you don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. Or, you know, <laughs> cancel that thought if you're going to go on the street and suddenly a bus is going to hit you. Nobody knows that. Mm. Life in itself right. is, is risk-taking, you know. But um, mm-hmm. we still we have to live. We still get up. We still go to work. And we still do what we have to do. But a, a lot of people, when it comes to taking risk on their own life, then is on themselves, they find it difficult. And they get tense up. And then they say, you know, um, they, start, they start doubting themselves. They start doubting whatever it is that they intend to do. Like I said, even if you look at it in another way, then is a lot of people will go to a football match, a soccer match, a baseball match, a hockey match, whichever sport they love. That is, they will shout and they will scream the top of their voice to inspire that player on the field to win. Look, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, if you want to, to look at, at mass hypnosis, there's, there's mass hypnosis for you. They don't even have to be hypnotized. But the thing I always ask, I, I always tell the people that come to my seminars, why don't you do that to yourself in the morning in front of a mirror? Why don't you shout at your mind, at your, at, at your image, <laughs> and tell that person to win, to succeed exactly like you do for the guy on, on the field? How many people mm. really, really become a great success just by doing that every morning? But they don't. I'm sure they'll find that stupid if you tell them something like that. Mm. You know? Well, I think it's a question of people become very comfortable in their day-to-day routines. And, that's true. That's true. As the and, wise would say, uh, com- comfort zone. Right, and everybody has, you know, financial obligations that they have to meet. So, yes. if you're a family, you know, if you're raising a family, yes, there are times when you really are limited in what you can and cannot do or follow your passions. Yes. yes. So, and then a lot that's of other times, it takes it takes a life changing event. Yes. to turn you it's in true. a different direction. It's true. It's true. Still, Dennis, I, I will give you my own personal experience on that, and I totally agree with what you say. But again, again mm-hmm. sometimes thinking that way for a lot of people, that could be 
the the limitation or as somebody says you know sometimes when you look at life there is the the effect and then there is the cause and a lot yes. of people would 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 rather stay in the cause um environment or situation or you know right. and i will give you a, right. a, a total example in my case uh, of that when i was okay. in in uk i i went to uk in 1987 i stayed there for almost 4 years while i was there I was in a political party, and it was known as an opposition party from that in Seychelles, because Seychelles at that time was a one-party state, like a communist socialist um, government. So then we were aiming to get Seychelles back to multi-democracy. So in 1990, the then-president at that time announced that Seychelles is back to a multi-party state, and anybody who wants can come down and campaign for elections. So I was in England in an opposition party, and i was the vice president of that party the opposition party in uk and so we decided to go back home so that's when i went back home to seychelles funny enough arriving there my political career at that time ended in in a week because the guys in the party um the hierarchy members obviously started mm-hmm. to become sort of more dictator than the ones actually in power there So finally I decided to leave. But when I left, I had gone back home with only 100 pounds in my pocket and my 100 pound was finished and all my family were in UK, mom, father, brothers, sisters. I had a wife at that time I was married, she was still in UK because we didn't want to go down before not knowing what is going to happen. So I went on my own. A week after everything was I was I had no money with me, the 100 pound was finished and I, I didn't even have a place to stay. So I went to my meditation state and started meditating and sending out positive thoughts and energy like we know we all do people who meditate who meditate will understand that very well and finally the universe was attracted and I received a call from one of my ex youth worker that used to work with me when I was in Seychelles before and he said hi Henry I heard you're looking for a place to stay and I've got a room for you a spare room I said wow that's interesting wow. so I went I went to the guy now remember <laughs> no money nothing i was living at this guy's place totally on his expense so when i was there i said now what do i do i went into my meditation um state and asked my inner mind what's the next step then is i received an idea that i should open a metaphysical company at that time i didn't have a degree in metaphysics so the only thing i had done was the oze silver mind method course which was a two week two weekend course so then i said to myself metaphysics and at that time the government was against anything to do with metaphysics because it was a thing mm-hmm. where you're opening the minds of the people and you know you're liberating them from domination rule so definitely mm-hmm. it was out of the question so i said when i'm in my inner state i feel good i feel incredible energy to do that but when i come out my conscious mind says what no no way <laughs> so i tell the young guy i was living with exactly so i tell the young guy i was living with And then he said, "What you're going to do?" I said, "I will ask the question uh, to you know uh, again and see what happens." Then is I did that for another two times, and on both occasions, my inner mind said, "Henry, open a metaphysical company." So on the third time, the fourth day, I go down early morning to the licensing office, and I ask to see the guy who's in charge of the licensing office. The secretary asked me, "Do you have an appointment?" I said, "No, I don't, but just ask him if he can see me." She went in, she came out, she said, "Yep, the guy says to come in." I walked in. When I arrived there, and the guy said, "Yes, Henry, what can I do for you?" I said, "Mr. Coffee, I want to open a metaphysical company." Mr. Coffee pulls out a law book, Seychelles um, law. He looks under M, and he goes like this: M, 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 looking for the word of metaphysics, obviously. And then he doesn't <laughs> say anything. And he, yeah, he looks at me, says, "There's nothing in the law about metaphysics." And then he gives me a reason. He says, "Henry, is it about relaxation and skip fees?" And I said, "Exactly." I said, "And helping people <laughs> curtail the problem of drugs because there was a lot of drugs getting into the country." I said, "Helping curtail the problem of drugs, alcohol, and uh, teenage pregnancies among our youths." He said, "Oh, that's a very good idea." So he gave me a form. I filled it in. Next day, brought it in. I paid fifty rupees for the license. I put a small advert in the newspaper. There was only one daily newspaper in Seychelles. I put a small advert I wrote KTS Mind Power program free talk there is 200 people attended that for Seychelles um purchasing oh power gosh. that's huge I mean I mean all, around 40,000 people yeah 
It is huge because the population... Were you doing it outside? How did did you accommodate them? Were you outside somewhere? No, no. um, I rented a a, a theater, a movie theater. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I rented a movie theater for two hours, which wasn't expensive. (laughs) So I I, I did the the lecture there, free, free talk explaining to them about the, mind, the power of the mind and how it can help you and this and that. And obviously for two hours I really did a good job because 40 people enrolled. And after the 40 people enrolled, I charged them 500 rupees a month, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, to come in and do the course for three months. At the end of the month, I banked 20,000 rupees from scratch, zero, nothing, and never looked back until today. And this is how it all started. Oh, oh I love that story. That is yeah, you know, I mean, incredible. And, and, and this, I, I mean, this is my story. You know, when I when I had the same interview about my God's DNA book on the radio, in, on the television in Seychelles, the guy interviewing me said to me, Henry, maybe you have this inner power, you have this, you have that, and maybe you are gifted and you, you read a lot and you travel a lot and you go to seminars. And I said to him, he was called Jude, I said, Jude, what did Mary Teresa start with? What did Mother Teresa start with? Millions in her, in her pocket? Nothing. She started mm-hmm. with love for human beings. Let us go mm-hmm. on. What did Nelson Mandela start with? You know, passion for his country. What did Gandhi start with? These guys, Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, were lawyers, like we said. They could just go and do law, and they would be more successful, more rich in their lives than just, you know, fighting for their people or their passion. So it's all about the inner you. It's all about the love, the true love that you have. It has to be true. It has to come from within you. Look at things that, that, that you are in love with. You know, for example, um, I mean, with a spouse now, a lady, and she has a son, six-year-old. In fact, he just became seven on uh, last Friday. The young boy, he's not too much interested in reading and writing and, and math. But then he's the mm-hmm. guy draws mm-hmm. incredible he came from Seychelles here. The first week, he didn't have friends. He was a bit disappointed. The second week, he had so many friends, he couldn't know what to do with it. Why? Because he <laughs> just drew a shark on a piece of paper at school, and all the children fell in love with that. <laughs> you know? And there you are. So yeah. his love for something will bring him along in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, when I look at him, I can, I, that's why I always tell the, to the mother, Yes, we have to make him read. That's no problem. We can even use all techniques, and definitely because he will need to, to, to learn to read at least. Not become a writer, not become a big scholar, but he needs to read. But then I said, put him in art school, you know? Yes. Put him in yes. art school. This, this is what he loves. And you don't know tomorrow what, what this guy can become with that. So, yeah, I mean... Oh, my, oh yeah. No, I mean, there's there so many... There there's so many graphic artists now in in the movie industry. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. We're doing some that's amazing true. things with, with 3D technology, et cetera. Yes, yes. You know, and even with, with people who has, uh, like you said, bills and family and everything, honestly, no problem. But what they need to do is start somewhere. Start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And in fact... As we are talking about that, I have another book I was telling you about that I've written while, I was, while I'm in Australia called Escaping the Poverty Leash Towards Financial Freedom. And it's based really on creating your own inner wealth. You know, the, the, the thought, mm-hmm. I, I did have a, a seminar back home called Money Mind, because then is when you look at it in, in reality, you, somebody will never become rich if they, they need to become rich in their mind first before they become rich externally. And I will explain. Yes. The only reason money exists is because someone finds a value in what you have to offer. If there is no value in the mind of a person, what you are selling will never be sold. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Yeah, someone must relate a certain value to what you are offering. And now, mm-hmm. the, sad thing, the sad thing with a lot of people on this, on, this, on this planet that we don't realize, especially back home, I see that incredibly, we have what people terms low class, middle class, and high class. High class are supposed mm-hmm. to be the guys that are rich and have a lot of money. Low class have nothing, and then the middle class are the ones trying to reach the high class state. But the sad mm-hmm. thing is those guys in the middle class who has whatever little money they have, they will, at, at the weekend holidays, especially the long holidays, go onto the beach, look for a generator, rent one if they have to, 
And they will party and drink for the whole three, four days. And according to them, they are showing people that they have money. You see? But what they don't realize is the rich do not do that. You never see a guy who is a multimillionaire and on the beach doing that. What the guy is doing is he's investing. And when they see this guy, he started with one boat and then he has three boats. And then they get angry. They tell you, this guy is like a shark in the ocean um, just jumping on the other little fish that exist in the sea. No, he's not. He uses his money to invest. Rich people don't spend money. They invest money. Middle class and poor people, they spend money. Because they think when they spend, they are giving an image that they are rich. Uh, yeah. yeah and this is, what, this is what my book, Escaping the Poverty List Towards Financial Freedom, explains. And it explains in even give a systematic way on how you build your wealth from start to finish. In, in very little steps first. It doesn't have to be big. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I guess it's a mindset, really. That's right, Dennis. That's right. That's the right word. That's the right word. It's being tossed a lot around now. I mean, everybody, even the politicians, are talking about you need a new mindset. But again, mm-hmm. nobody explains the people how do you get that mindset. And I will. And I will give uh, uh, something on, on that if if you allow me, Dennis, at this point. You know what people have oh, to realize that again, be, yeah, for that was example, going to be my next question. Yes. You know, for example, a lot of people say we, we've heard it tossed around. There's an unconscious and a subconscious mind. But again, do people really explain to the people what the subconscious and unconscious means? Okay. Again, this is my point, my experience. I hope people understand that this is my personal experience. They might have a different view. That's no problem. But for me, okay. when you look at the conscious mind, the conscious mind has these different factions. It has what we call analytical thinking, it has rational thinking, it has willpower, and then it has what we call temporary memory. This is what the subconscious has. Let me explain. If, say, for example, you're on the road going somewhere, and then suddenly your, your car has, has a flat tire. So ana- analytically, straight away, your mind is going to tell you, okay, remove the spare tire, remove the flat one, put that other one, and then we're off. For, for a lady, maybe she'd say, no, I will call the AA. In UK, they have the AA, which is an, uh, a, a company that they have a, an insurance with or a license with. And if they break down, that company comes wherever you are and, and fixes whatever the problem is. So like I said, oh, a third person, through analytical thinking, might say, okay, I'll just leave this transport at the side of the road. I'll take the bus and then go and look for help from a garage and come and see what the problem is or remove that tire because the person couldn't do it. So that's analytical thinking. Then we have a rational thinking. Again, I'm talking about a conscious mind. Here, the conscious mind will always give you a reason and justify why you should remain the way you are. It's because of this. It's because of that. You know? So it will always give you a reason. And this also limits a person's evolution or development. Then we have willpower. Again, we all know. People will force themselves to stop smoking, to stop drinking, to stop a certain behavior through willpower. But then one day, they will drop their guard, and then the action or the habit will restart, and they are back to square one. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, because even the wise says, we've heard this many times in all different books, in in a battle between the imagination and willpower, the imagination will always win. Okay. Then we have what we call temporary uh, memory. Temporary memory, mm-hmm. your conscious mind will remember things then is that are important to eat right now. Things that happen that are not important, the, the mind will just delete that straight away. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that for me is the conscious mind. This is how it functions. Now let us look at the yes. unconscious mind. The unconscious mind, the same thing. The unconscious, unconscious mind has permanent memory. It will remember every experience that the five senses have experienced throughout your life from birth till now. And some even believe from past life, <laughs> okay, if that exists, no problem. It mm-hmm. will be there according to them, yeah. So we have what we call permanent memory. Then, of course, the unconscious records habits. Now, we have good habits, we have bad habits, and then we have habits that are supposedly neutral, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's, again, the unconscious. The unconscious is another thing. It, it is there for preservation. It will preserve you whether it is an internal issue or an external factor. It will always try to preserve you. This is where the fight-fight uh, syndrome comes in. 
it will always be there for preservation. So we see, these are the factions. Then, of course, in the Indian philosophy, I had an incredible experience, Denise, with a guru in India for four months mm-hmm. that gave. And, wow, that was, I, I, even that I have a, a book, it's called The You the Factor, which is based on my experiences with this guy for four months. And they have another part which they call the superconscious. The superconscious is the part that they have what we call ABF, automatic body functions. For example, that part of your deep consciousness is in charge of that, is in charge of your immune system. And then, like I said, based on their theory about past life and karma, they say that the superconscious is in charge of past life memories. Okay, so the unconscious is there. The unconscious is there to preserve you, to make sure that you stay alive. But, yes. but apart from having the ability and the power to record all your memories, to record all your habitual patterns, funny enough, based on our day-to-day living for many years when you look at this life, the so-called unconscious, which for me is a poor unconscious, has been bombarded, Denise, with only negativity. Turn on the news. Look at the newspaper. Look at what people are talking on. I mean, you look at a program, a simple program where people are cooking food. Sorry to use that word, Denise, but there's so much bitchiness going on between the people. And it's all negativity. We've come for fun. We've come to create something of importance. Why mm-hmm. must there be such jealousy and hatredness among people? But this is what happens on this planet. And now the unconscious yeah. mind, funny enough, is more happy to receive negativity and allow that to go through fast instead of positivity. If a person says, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, if he doesn't what is now termed bypass the critical factor or the critical mind, that so-called positive thought will never go through. And this is where hypnosis comes in. This is where NLP comes in. We need to bypass the critical factor of our mind so that the, the positive suggestions we are sending in can go through and finally create an effect on our unconscious mind and make it understand that as from now on, this is the new habit that we want. You know, it's like replacing a phone number. Before the mm-hmm. phone numbers were six digits and then suddenly it becomes seven numbers and then fi- finally when you go to phone your your home, you still phone the sixth number. After the third time, you realize, mm-hmm. oh, okay, seven number. And then you smile, and this is where you know that the unconscious has realized the truth. We all know that, which a lot of people don't realize, is when somebody smiles, when you're teaching somebody something and the person laughs, that's when he, the person understands. As long as his forehead is tight and you see all, all uh, um, you know, I mean, uh, an ugly look on his face, he hasn't understood you. <laughs> The moment he laughs or smiles, that's the sign to know, ah, okay, he's finally understood what I've been telling. And okay, this is what, you, what well, happens. I have a question. So we need, yes, Denise. Through hypnosis, you're able to reach the, is it the super conscious? The unconscious. There are, there, 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 there are different um, school of thoughts that say, for example, before, there was what is called the light state in hypnosis. Then you can reach the medium, medium state. And then the somanlibistic uh, l- l- um, or libistic state, which is like a, a deep state. But then there, there are others. There are other states that have been recognized according to some school of thought, which is called, um, hold on, I will tell you, which is called, they have, uh, what is that? Oh, yeah, the coma state. <laughs> There's another state called the, the coma state. And then I believe there's another school of thought that has even gone deeper according to them. But like I said, you know, Denise, when you look at all these things, uh, talking about hypnosis now, <laughs> many people till now believe that hypnosis is bad. At one point, as Bendler said, he, that was incredible when he said that. He said people would tell him, you know, you shouldn't learn hypnosis because hypnosis is bad and it doesn't exist. How can something that don't exist be bad? Nobody understands that. But this is what they say. Or there's a lot of myth about hypnosis being mind control and, you know, you, you, the person can make you do this and make you do that. But no. For me, again now, this is my own personal experience. When we look at something like hypnosis for me, hypnosis, Denise, is conscious sleep. Sleep is unconscious hypnosis. And I will explain. When you go to sleep, you enter into trance. You enter into a deep state, especially when you are asleep and deeply asleep. That's a deep trance. 
when you're, you're dreaming, that's an active unconscious state. It, doesn't, it means that your mind is not asleep because you're active, you're dreaming. If there is activity going in the mind, it means that you're not asleep. And the same thing happens with hypnosis. You enter into a state where sometimes you can visualize, you can see pictures, you can regress back and see yourself doing things at the age of 5, at the age of 10. That for me is active consciousness. You're consciously okay. dreaming. Yeah. Like when you look at, at a person daydreaming, for example. His eyes is open, but he's not there. You call him, he doesn't hear you. You know, he's mm-hmm. somewhere else. He's seeing some other things right now. And then he, he comes back um, from what he was doing and then say, were you talking to me or did you call me? And you say, yeah, where were you? You say, I was here. <laughs> you say, yeah, you were here, but mm-hmm. your mind wasn't. And, and we call that daydream. So yes, when you meditate, point. when you mm-hmm. meditate, what part of the mind are you using? Okay. You know, in meditation again, it is conscious sleep. The difference between meditation and hypnosis then is, hypnosis you have an operator that gets you into that state. With meditation, you go on your own. You see? By just, because when you look, in hypnosis, they will either bypass your critical mind by saying sleep. They will just click there and, 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 and you will go into uh, the, the sleep state and then they will give you what they call the deepening commands. Deeper, deeper, deeper. The deeper you go, the better you feel. The better you feel, the deeper you go. So then finally you enter into that state. But with meditation, what they do is you focus on one point. Now in hypnosis there was that before, where you focus on the pendulum going, going forward and backwards, forward and backwards. Or there are in, in India, one of the best ways they do hypnosis is they put a candle and they tell the guy, focus on the flame. So they get a point of focus. So it's the same thing with meditation. They either use candle, flame, or you can use your breath. For example, me, when I meditate, I just simply focus on my breath going in and out. The reason for that is because the breath is the closest thing, the closest attachment and yeah, b- between your body and your mind. We all know that when, um, when, when we are angry, our breath changes. You know, the, the, the level of the breathing obviously changes, it alters. And when you're calm, yeah. you have a more relaxed and deep, slow breath. Mm-hmm. So there is a connection between the breath and the mind and, of course, the body. So if you just so when you, sit, close so your eyes. I'm just, trying to under, I'm just trying to understand. So when, yes. you medit- when you're in a meditation, conscious sleep, yes. you're, you're, you're still using your conscious mind or your subconscious mind? Subconscious, because the conscious mind has already by, been bypassed through the focus okay. of the breath. Yeah. You know, then it's like when somebody really loves football or soccer, whatever sports they call it, they look at the TV, but then suddenly the mind, the conscious mind says, I'm tired of this, and it just goes off. You know, but the guy really wants to watch football. So the same mm-hmm. thing happens. When you give your mind something to focus on, the conscious mind something to focus on, it just switch off. He says, no, I'm not doing this. And this is so where your conscious mind... Yeah, so, so meditation is a, a direct um, roadway into your subconscious mind. That's true. Super. I never, ever thought of it that way. Mm. That's really cool. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, we're, um, we only have a couple minutes left in our, our interview. Yes. So yes. um, let's cover a couple couple of things. One, um, I know that you're presenting seminars. Um, yes. And you probably would like to meet, perhaps do some some more things in Australia while you're there. That's um, true. What are you open to? What are you open to? Um, should there be some listeners out there that have interest in, um, you know, venturing with you into this? Yeah, the, um, that, that, that's nice, Dennis. I mean, they can always do, just go simply to www.henrynikon.com. They can register for appointments. They can register with me for joint ventures, seminars, presentations. And this could be any part of the world. I mean, anyone listening to this program right now, they can simply just go to www.henrynikon.com. And, yep, I have a page there where they can register for appointments or, or presentation of seminars, anything on that matter. Okay, that's great. I'm going to um, spell out your website for the listeners. Yes. It's yes. www.henry, H-E-N-R-Y, N is in Nancy, A I K 
E N is in Nancy dot com. That's Henry Nikin dot com. Yes. Well, thank, thank you, you much, so Henry. much. Thank yes. you so much for being with us today. Um, thank you I know I've learned a great lot. Opportunity. I've I've definitely learned a lot, and now I know for sure that meditation takes us directly to our subconscious mind. Yes, that's true. All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, I just want to remind the readers that the title of your book, Dr. Yes. Henry Nyken's book, again, it's called God's DNA Decoded. And where can that yeah. be purchased? Uh, available on Amazon, Amazon.com. On Amazon? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Is it Amazon UK as well, or just regular yes. Amazon? Yes, yes, yes. All right. Okay, well, thank then. You. Thanks very much. All right. Okay, so, listeners, we've had a we've had a wonderful um, talk with with uh, with Dr. Nikin, and he's really put through some really valuable information. Please tune in again next Wednesday for our show, and um, be well. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, I just wanted to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show based upon the opinions of Denise and her guests. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional and it's not intended as medical advice. We are sharing knowledge and information. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. The statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Bye.